What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, fallen snow. In the blink of an eye, the avalanche go from Stanley Cup lock to lock the door when you leave. Now the semis are set, so we'll look at the series that will decide the Stanley Cup final. Can the Islanders keep rolling and get vengeance over the Lightning? And is it Lee's company? Are we back on Montreal again against the Golden Knights? The answer may not surprise you. Then Milwaukee clings to life. Here we are again with the Clippers and a look at the weekend slate in the NBA. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. Hope everybody's fired up for the weekend. We certainly are here in Toronto, Ontario. Because, listen, I've vented here and there, it's my podcast, I can do it, uh, about the various restrictions and the long, long, long quarantine and shutdown, etc., etc. We're getting patios back this weekend, in fact, starting today. So if you're in a place that's had patios for a long time, patio dining, I should say, um, you know, that's what we've been dealing with here. So we actually get patios back, and I'm fired up about that. A uh, You know, we're taking anything that we can get at this point. Um, all right, let's get right into it. NHL, blink of an eye. Blink of an eye. Colorado, right, 2-1. to one. They're up 2 nothing in the series. And then Jonathan Marcheseau banks a shot off of Philip Grubauer, and then it was over, right? Uh, less than a week later... It was over four straight for the Vegas Golden Knights. And that was the moment, maybe, um, where the magic sort of fell apart, right? The magic of Grubauer, his Vesna candidacy season here. And, you know, the Colorado Avalanche doing it the right way from a building your hockey team standpoint, right? Not investing, you know, insane amounts in goaltending or really much at all. Just trying to find a dude, right? Just trying to find a guy who... You know, they don't have to pay that much. So they can pay all these stud players that they've got all over the ice. And they don't have to pay their goaltender, you know, five, ten, whatever million a year. Problem is, right, if you don't pick the right guy, you know, you're probably not going to win the President's Trophy. In this case, they thought they had the right guy. But when it came down to it, he wasn't able to be the big game guy. And when it comes to winning a Stanley Cup, it's going to be really hard to win one if you don't have a big game guy. Now, some of these big game guys, if you will, they last two, three years. The Jonathan Quicks, the you know Cam Ward, right? Nobody made a more of a career out of really just one good season than Cam Ward did. Not to pick on Cam Ward necessarily. He's had a great life. He'll be fine. So we get into this game last night, and from an expected goal standpoint, like this is Colorado's best game, arguably their best game of the series when you kind of put everything together, which by the way, it should be, right? They're facing elimination. It should be their best game. It's why we talked about this idea that plus 115, you know, like obviously it was the best price of the series for Colorado, home or away, but obviously away was sort of more the point. Um, but, you know, you're going to get their best effort. Now, what does that necessarily mean? Well, it means 2.16 to 2.05 from an expected goals for standpoint at even strength. And it means 10 to 12 in favor of Vegas for the high danger chances. But, of course, Vegas scores two of those 12 and Colorado only gets one. And that's effectively the difference from, you know, the metrics, the stuff that we measure 
That's the difference there. But really the difference is the Pucks just found a way in on Grubauer, and they found a way not to go in for Flurry. And I realize that's simplifying it and sort of really dumbing it down, you know, almost to the point where, like, it's sort of somewhat cliched. But, like, I've never seen a guy think that the puck was in the corner only to realize that the puck was at the point but realize too late because the puck is going essentially through his legs. That's, you know, I wouldn't even say amateur stuff. Like, I'm an amateur hockey player. I've tried, like, a shoulder shimmy pass that, you know, to try to fake somebody into thinking that I'm dumping the puck into a cycle situation in the corner, right? It never works. <laughs> and it worked at, the, at an NHL level to, like, the world's most perfect degree yesterday for the Avalanche and, or excuse me, against the Avalanche because the Avalanche are up one nothing in that game. And, like, they had it. And I, I, I literally turned to my partner, Emily, and I said, well, all, the, all Colorado has to do is just not give up a goal here for the next 59 minutes and 33 seconds. <laughs> like, that's all they have to do in order to win this. Because I think on the show yesterday, I did say, like, what if Colorado gets an early goal and then just hangs on for the win, right? Like, that was shaping up to be that in uh, for about 45 seconds <laughs> before Grubauer gives up that goal. Now, the, he gets unlucky. I'm not expecting to make the save against William Carlson, but, like, William Carlson fans on that shot. Like, he does not get all of it, as they say, and it just barely gets in. And it goes, you know, not just that Grubauer couldn't get across or didn't get across to stop it. It's just, like, that's where the puck ended up, like, just inside the post in that situation like that's kind of a perfectly placed situation same thing the fourth liner for vegas gets the deflection and like great play to get your stick on that puck but he's not planning for the puck to go right in that spot right it's not like you're you know skating down the ice you take a wrist shot you're shooting for the top corner it goes in the top corner you're just trying to get your puck on a stick right like a lot of guys on vegas deflect or excuse me on colorado deflected shots right ton of guys they didn't go directly into like the one spot that was going to have that turn into a goal. So, you know, whether it was those three goals, essentially, we're talking like three goals, three goals in a game that we're looking at it going like, man, like they got really fortunate and all of that. Meanwhile, you know, Colorado goes down and they score and it's like snipe corner, snipe corner. And it's like, that's the only way that Colorado is able to sort of score these goals by getting that good or not that good fortune but like that quality chance and burying it whereas vegas is getting all kinds of good fortune and that's the story of this series because you know if you had told me going in that vegas was going to convert 17 percent of their high danger chances right they were going to have 64 of them and colorado was going to have only 44 and they were only going to convert nine percent of them they were going to go four for 44 and vegas was going to go 11 of 64 i'd have housed Vegas from a betting standpoint, right? And like, as it was, right, we got the one game that we bet on was Vegas in game three, but we didn't give them enough credit because again, we were committed to our Colorado futures. And that's, you know, it's a, it's a dual lesson here. So lesson number one is when it comes to the futures market and it's so sexy, right? Everybody wants to know, everybody I talk to, everybody that interviews me going into this playoffs or throughout this playoffs, even in the middle of the playoffs, it's like, is there any futures value? Is there any futures value? And like, I get the question because it's super fun to talk about and be like, oh yeah, I had this team at this point. Like I remember winning with the blues, but I had them 
after the first round because I believe it was the Jets that they played in the first round. And I was like, whichever one of these teams wins this series, I think it's going to be a knockdown dragout series, I think is going to be able to at least make the Stanley Cup final. And that's exactly what happened. And so we ended up with like, you know, nine to one with the Blues. And obviously history has them being 100 to one from January, but like nobody actually betted at that point or like maybe the most ardent Blues fan did. But the point is, is like those stories sort of get you in trouble later on when you start betting futures and then realize that you have to deal with four series here that could go either way. Now, we knew the toughest series for Colorado was going to be this series, and it certainly was. And again, as I talked about yesterday, like going into the game last night, remember, they were like plus 350, plus 380 to win the Stanley Cup. So even on their, you know, deathbed, if you will, with their last chance, you know, facing elimination, it was still a better price than it was just three weeks earlier before the playoffs. And all that changed was that they beat St. Louis, a team that we all agreed they were going to smoke anyway, right? So like nothing changed from one to the next, except things got worse for Colorado and their price still never got to five to one. So lesson number one there is it's a really great bet, right? But lesson number two is that like the futures market in general can sometimes prevent you from not just finding value because we found value with the Vegas Golden Knights, right? We knew it was there essentially after game two. It's why we bet on game, you know, why we bet them on game three. We probably would have bet them in game four. We probably would have bet them, probably would have bet them in game five, maybe would have stayed away in game five, but we may have grabbed an adjusted series price along the way if we had no commitment to the Colorado Avalanche. So again, we lose the one unit on the futures price there, but you know, it's what we, it's the opportunity cost, right? It's the, it's the uh, opportunity to have made money on this Vegas run here that we didn't get to have because we were invested in Colorado. And again, a couple of things go a different way against the Minnesota Wild. And we never have this conversation because Colorado probably takes care of Minnesota relatively easily. And we all sit here and go, yeah, best laid plans worked you know, to perfection. Just didn't happen to work out that way. And that's okay. Um, so that brings us, guess what? This is all of a sudden the Stanley Cup semifinals preview. We weren't sure if it was going to be or or when these series were going to start. At one point, it looked like the schedule makers had a 7.30 start time for Saturday's game between Tampa and the Islanders. And now all of a sudden, that's, what, Sunday at 3 o'clock. And now Montreal and Vegas, like Montreal is going to have a full week off here, which is obviously quite a difference from their previous situation, which we'll talk about here in a second so let's just get into it preview time um i want to start with montreal and vegas even though like chronologically that's not necessarily the case obviously and we could talk about this on monday but i want to talk about it right now i was on this morning with the guys over at the nhl uh nhl.com fantasy on ice podcast pete jensen rob reese those guys are awesome had a long conversation about these two series with those guys probably yacked a little bit too much but go ahead and check that out over on their podcast feed the fantasy on ice uh over on the nhl.com uh website and of course you know anywhere you get your podcasts and so, you know, we talk at length about Montreal and Las Vegas. And, you know, I explained to them the concept of uncertainty with their rating and, and how you know, we, I think we got pretty close, right? We, we, we've got a pretty good handle on the Montreal Canadiens. Going into that series against Winnipeg, we thought they'd have about 60% of the expected goals, forward even strength, and the high danger chances. And guess what? That's what happened, right? So I'm feeling pretty good about the rating that we have for Montreal, right? Problem is, 
you know, just when you know the rules to the game, right? Just when you've got the ratings figured out, right? They change the game that we're playing. And now we've got an interdivision matchup here, which we talked about, you know, earlier on in the season, really at the start of the season, you know, people would ask, you know, how do you factor in this, this, these two different differing divisions? And I said, like, we don't have to. The whole premise of the let's do that hockey model is that we can only follow two divisions if we want to. We can only follow one division if we want to and treat it like it's its own league. And so, you know, instead of calling it division, we can call it the North League. And now the North League plays the West League. And do we know anything about either of these, you know, how these two leagues, if you will, are going to compare? Like, we kind of don't. Now, it's still the NHL, so it's not like we're you know, talking Finnish league uh, against, like, the Russian league, you know, or something along those lines, right? Like, the Swedish elite league's not coming over to play the Stanley Cup champion here, and we don't know how good one team is or another. Like, we have a pretty good handle, right? Like, yeah, maybe Toronto was wildly overrated because they got to beat up on some teams in the North that were either in unfortunate circumstances or just plain not good. But, like... Was Toronto going to be worse or better than, say, the Minnesota Wild, right? Like, who had a tougher first-round opponent, Vegas or Montreal? I'm sure some people are saying Toronto. Some people are probably saying Minnesota, right? But the point is, is I think those two teams are pretty comparable. And, you know, if you say it's Toronto, then, okay, then we got to give a little bit more credit to Montreal. Now, if you're like me and you don't think the Winnipeg Jets were very good or are very good, what do we expect from a good team against a bad team? Well, we'd like them to win convincingly. How's a sweep for you, right? So like, you know, okay, I expect Alabama to knock off Citadel on week three in college football. And we know that they're going to win. But I'd be disappointed if they didn't win by four touchdowns or if they only won by four touchdowns. I'm expecting them to win 63 to nothing, right? And so Montreal effectively 63 to nothing to Winnipeg. Like what else do you possibly want? from that series right so yeah like the the competition isn't great but they did what you're supposed to do against poor competition right they got rid of them and they got rid of them quick so you know of course that leads us to the numbers here and i don't even have to tell you what my number is because again it doesn't really matter all that much because the montreal number was based on stuff built on the north division and vegas was based on stuff built on the West of you know, the West division, but I have them relative to their own divisions, pretty darn equal. And you can get excited about the West division, or you can get excited about slandering the North division, but I don't know that the West division was all that great. You know, like, I don't know how, if, you know, how many of us were staying up super late to check in on the sharks or the ducks or the Kings or the coyotes. Like that's a pretty rough group. Like the fourth best team it was the St. Louis Blues, and we didn't think anything of them, and they certainly did not prove us wrong, right? So we're talking about five teams in the West that just flat out stunk this year. So, like, why am I giving the West that much credit? Now, if it was a different situation where it was the North up against the Central or the North up against the East, that might be something. But we might be looking at the two worst divisions of the four that are matched up in this series. So, you know, like, yeah, I can consider both teams sort of a 55% type of a team, right? Like, they're going to win 55% against an average type of a team. But, like, that doesn't really mean all that much. But what does jump out is just the number right now, right? We're talking about minus 450, minus even 500 in some places for Vegas. Like, do you know what minus 450 indicates? That indicates a better than 81% win probability. 
Now, like, yeah, it's easy to sit there and say, okay, well, I think Vegas is going to win 90% of the time. And when they do, you're obviously going to be correct, but we'll never know whether the right percentage was 60% or 70% or 80% or 90% or, you know, 100%, right? Like, we will never know whether you're right because Vegas is going to win the vast majority of the time. In the same way that if Montreal pulls off an upset here, in the same way they pulled it off against Toronto, like was Montreal 100% to win against Toronto? No, of course they weren't, right? If Montreal wins this series against Vegas, were they 100%? Were they 100% to beat Winnipeg? No, we just had them at about 60, 65% chance of beating Winnipeg. And so when they did, right, it makes it look like they were going to win it no matter what. But that, of course, wasn't the case either. So fundamentally, the easy answer is like, we just have to keep betting Montreal here. But this one, different from the others, and maybe a little bit more similar, I suppose, to Toronto, is like this one just has to be a bet that you're willing to lose. And so... The good news is it's not just a price on the series price that is overextended, right? Any price on Montreal is a good price. It's just what you're willing uh, to risk and what you're willing to give up from a, you know, jackpot style payout, if you will, right? Like if you're willing to go all the way with Montreal to win the series, or if you're even willing to go further, minus one and a half, maybe, right? If you don't want to deal with a Vegas game seven at home situation, right? Which, you know, we didn't have it technically, but that felt very game seven E last night against Colorado. And of course we had game seven against uh, the Minnesota Wild, Right? If you don't want to deal with that, if you think win, uh, Montreal's best chance is to steal one of these first two games and then win home games and win it in six games, minus one and a half is out there at obviously a better price than plus 375, right? We're talking probably closer to plus 500. Or if you want to not, you know, give up too much and you want to do like a Montreal plus two and a half on the series price, thinking that, yeah, okay, they can get this to six games, or a plus one and a half, that they can get this to seven games, right? Like, it is up to you to sort of manage where you want to take advantage of that value. But the point is, is because they're all based off of the same rating, which has Vegas rated so wildly higher than Montreal that I just don't agree with it, any one of those bets is a viable bet. And it's the same thing for game one, right? And if you want to do the thing where you go, well, you know, like, and maybe it's the opposite, right? We had the worst thing that happened to us for that second round series is that we all were worried about, you know, the rest versus uh, Winnipeg, which turned out to maybe be rust or maybe they just stink. Um, but, you know, we were worried about Montreal being, like, oh man, quick turnaround, quick turnaround. They got to go from Toronto to Winnipeg, less than 48 hours. Like I said it, like we were all on that, on that ship. And then all of a sudden Montreal wins relatively convincingly, take a 3-1 lead through one period and you go, okay, guess they're not all that tired. So I don't want to do the same thing this time and be like, oh man, like they're not going to be able to handle the crowd in Vegas. Like maybe they're going to be really pumped to play in front of a crowd, right? It's not like the crowd is armed with weaponry and they're going to be throwing stuff on the ice. They're just going to get really excited and really loud when Vegas scores or gets scoring chances. But if Montreal is playing the way that they have been, with their game plan of not allowing scoring chances, not allowing high danger chances then there's not going to be a ton for this crowd to get excited about, right? Like Colorado is going to play a more wide open style. And, you know, again, that's why that matchup was the one thing that we had to be worried about for Colorado. And 
We just saw Vegas play Minnesota, a team that's going to play a lot like Montreal is, right? Where they're going to try to limit chances and do all of that sort of thing. And we saw 0-0 games going to overtime, right? We saw really low scoring type games. Now, again, part of that might necessarily have been because Max Pacioretty wasn't in the lineup and all of that sort of stuff. But like, that's the way Montreal is going to play it. And if that's the case, like there's not going to be that much to necessarily get excited about if you're a Golden Knights fan. So, you know, again, I don't want to get too wrapped up in fading Montreal in the first game of this series just because we're worried about some of these, um, you know, sort of narrative-y type concept uh, situations here. So, again, kind of obligated to bet the series price, semi-obligated to bet the game, but you can, you know, again, it doesn't have to just be the game or just be the series price. You can find a something a more a more comfortable bet or something more likely to happen knowing that you're going to get good value on all of those things right but the good news is is we do have that uncertainty that variance that is helping us where we don't have uncertainty or variance or we certainly have less of it is in this other series that i always er, that i'm dying to call the eastern conference final because that's what it was last year the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning here. And so I wrote a preview for this for the Action Network that's already up. Probably going to write one for Montreal and Vegas as well. So you got a bit of a sneak preview on that one already. But essentially when it comes to the Islanders and Tampa Bay here, um, you know, from an Islanders standpoint, you know, I sort of tease it right off the top or get into it right off the top, where I talk about, like, if you're the Islanders, which would you rather be judged by at this point in the season? your regular season metrics or your playoff metrics. And so you're probably sitting there going like, well, the playoff stuff's happening. They're having success. It's the most recent. Like I would want to be judged by that, wouldn't I? And like, yeah, like that's where I would want to judge a team as some, you know, from a recency standpoint. But if I'm the Islanders, the flattering numbers are actually in the regular season. Their expected goals for in the playoffs right now are 1.7, that's about the same as they, or excuse me, 1.8, that's about the same as they had during the regular season. Their expected goals against, though, during the regular season was 1.7. And that's obviously not as good as 1.8. It's why we liked the Islanders as a four seed, because they were above 50% in their expected goals for and their high danger chances over the course of the season. But in the playoffs, they have allowed 2.32 expected goals for at even strength. The St. Louis Blues in their truck job sweep by at the hands of the Colorado Avalanche had 2.34 expected goals for against. So like we're talking about 12 games here for the Islanders where they've given up 2.32 expected goals against something that got the Blues swept. Now you'll say, well, what got the Blues swept out of their series was not being able to score and Colorado also burying like all of their power play stuff. But I digress. So how does the how do the Islanders pull this off for the first two series, right? At 2.32 expected goals against. Well, they have just an outrageous conversion rate. 22.9% on their high danger chances at even strength. Now, what do we know, right? Beaten in NT at this point, 14% is league average. So 22.9% is crazy. Now, how does that happen? Well... It happens when you face Tristan Jari. It happens when you face a banged up Tuka Rask who's like leaving warmups early and like coming out of the game in game five and all of that sort of thing. Well, what do we have next? Andre Vasilevsky 
Oh boy, right? Like <laughs> this isn't, Tristan Jari's not walking through that door. Uh, Tuka Rask isn't hobbling through that door. It's Andre Vasilevsky who just like walked into Carolina and just told them to like park it for at least four of those five games. One game was a little bit rough for Vasilevsky. So, you know, okay, the Islanders, what else do they have? Okay, well, they have awesome home ice advantage. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah, well, Tampa Bay just is, you know, hasn't lost on the road yet. Or what? They've lost one game, I think. One and, they're what? One and, they're five and one, right? On the road. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, you know, I don't, and again, Carolina, Florida, like they're not, they're not Nassau, right? But they had full barns, right? Pretty exciting uh, atmospheres, et cetera, et cetera. They're also Stanley Cup champions, right? Like this isn't, you know, the Bruins who, you know, obviously have some Stanley Cup DNA and all of that sort of thing. But I think a lot of other stuff got in the way of the Bruins there. And they're certainly not this version of the Penguins, right? They are much better. So what do you want to do if you're trying to beat the Lightning? What's our, what's our cliche? Can't take a penalty. Can't take a penalty. And we thought with Carolina, third-ranked penalty kill in the league this year, even if they took a couple penalties, they might be able to survive that sort of thing. Nope, didn't matter. Did not matter one iota against the third power, third best penalty kill in the league. Well, let's take a look at the Islanders' playoff penalty kill. Oh, God. 61.5% killed, 38.5% converted by their opponents. So they're going to walk in to a... Uh, power play that's 41.5% right now. And they are going to bring a penalty kill that has given up 38.5%. And you're going to tell me that Tampa is not going to absolutely feast on this power play. Now, you guys know I don't love handicapping something based on power play, but, or special teams in general, but like that's a pretty big discrepancy. Like that's an eye popping one, right? And I always sort of say, like, unless especially in the regular season, unless it's the best against the worst, the power play penalty kill matchup is not really all that predictive. In this case, we're talking about incredibly, like, historically good against incredibly historically bad at this point. Now, again, small sample sizes being what they are, but, like, that's a pretty massive indicator here. So you might be surprised by this, and I made the number, you know, I joked with the guys on the podcast, and it wasn't really a joke because it's true, but as soon as the empty net goal, the first empty net goal hit for the Islanders against the Bruins, I started making the number for this series and for this game. So neutral... Um, or excuse me, uh, at Tampa Bay, my number for game one was minus 180 plus 180, right? That's my, my true number. Sportsbooks are going to shade it one way or another. They actually open it, Tampa minus 180, which is a fair price on Tampa. And of course, New York plus 160 would be a not that fair price for the Islanders. And what happens? Well, I think to myself, okay, people are going to see that, they're going to bet the Islanders. And the series price opened like minus 250, you know, plus 220-ish for the Islanders. I'm like, okay, they're going to bet the Islanders. They're like the Islanders. They just bet, beat two brand name teams in Pittsburgh and Boston. And so people are going to like the Islanders. Let's wait a little bit. We might even be able to get better than fair price on this uh, Tampa Bay team. And meanwhile, with minus 180, my series price was minus 300 as a fair price. So at minus 250, I'm already like, that's kind of a discount. Now, again, discount minus 250 aren't two things that come, you know, into, you know, the same sentence very often when we're talking about odds and value and all of that sort of thing. Well, what happens? Well, within hours, 
instead of the Islanders taking money as underdogs, Tampa Bay takes money. So what that tells me is that people of my ilk, right, the people who do this as well, saw that fair price at minus 180 and were like, yeah, sure, I'll take it. And they saw that fair price series at minus 250 and they said, yeah, sure, we'll take that too. And they bumped both of those up to where the Islanders are more commonly minus 190, even minus 200 in, ga in game one, and that the Lightning are minus 300 right now, more commonly, on the series price. And again, that's fair price, and I don't expect that to necessarily go all that much higher. Even if it does, we're still a ways away from even being fair price on the Islanders, which would be plus 300, which is a nice even number because it means 75%. So... You might be saying, well, I think that I think the Islanders have a better than 25% chance of winning this series. And like that's a fair opinion, I suppose, but like it's also a very reasonable opinion that this team in the Tampa Bay Lightning, that for all of the good stuff that the Islanders do, Tampa has an answer for, right? They, the Islanders aren't gonna convert 23% of their high danger chances. They are more likely to continue to give up two more high danger chances than they get, which is what they've been doing all playoffs long. And if Tampa's getting two more high danger chances at even strength, and they have a power play that's clicking at 40%, going up against a penalty kill that is giving up almost 40%, what am I supposed to like about the Islanders? Well, okay, they roll four lines. And that's great when you're going up against a one-line team. And the biggest disappointment out of everyone for Boston was that second line, right? The Taylor Hall thing. We talked about it yesterday. Like, oh, now all of a sudden that rating for the Taylor Hall post-deadline Bruins doesn't seem all that correct, right? And of course, that's hindsight being 2020, but it is what it is. So what do they do? Well, they run four lines, they can stop, they can, every one of those lines, right, can neutralize the one good line for Boston or the top two good lines. But now we're talking about a four-line team going up against a four-line team, a team that is benefited by two things this season, and both of them have to do with the fact that Nikita Kucherov didn't play, and Steven Stamkos played like half the season. One, everything that everybody said about the salary cap is 100% true, right? They have circumvented the salary cap. They have 10 to $20 million better of a roster than everybody else, certainly better than the Islanders, right? Which was not the case for the Islanders versus the Bruins. It was not the case for the Islanders versus the Penguins. The other thing is, is while those two guys were out, other guys got to do stuff. Other guys got to play, right? Guys who would be in the press box got to play on the fourth line or maybe even the second line because maybe they're just an offensive type player that wouldn't normally be needed, right? All these guys got more minutes, and now like they're more ready for prime time than ever they have been before. And you see some of these guys, this Colton, I don't even know who that is, and he scored three goals in the playoffs so far. Like, that's pretty wild, <laughs> right? So, you know, they kind of just do everything better, which they should. They're the Stanley Cup champion, the defending Stanley Cup champion. And this isn't a traditional thing where, you know, I realized that Tampa Bay had to play all of the games last year right i get it but like it isn't the same grind of the 82 game regular season especially when two of your top players are pretty fresh at this point right and you don't have the same guys being banged up in and out of the lineup and how many injuries would it take for tampa bay for this to be a problem for them right they are so deep whereas 
the Islanders are deep, but it's a different way. It's a deep that's going to grind, you know, teams that aren't as good as them or are similarly as good as them. And that was the case for Boston. That was the case, especially for Pittsburgh. It's why we were on the Islanders in that first round. So now we're looking at this team and going like, you know what? If they lost to Tampa Bay, like that's fine. They've exceeded expectations. They've you know, certainly met expectations when it comes to Tampa Bay. If we had all just sort of sat around before the playoffs started and said, you know what? The Vegas-Minnesota matchup's tough, but I think they get by there. And then it's a coin flip between them and Colorado. And on the other side, the path for Tampa Bay is obviously much tougher than what the path was for Colorado. And I don't want to bet that. All of that would have been fair. But if you had also said, but Vegas and Tampa Bay are going to be the two teams in the Stanley Cup final, we'd all be like, yeah, okay. Like that, that makes a lot of sense. Like I, I'm impressed, right? I'm not even mad. I'm impressed that Tampa was able to beat Florida without home ice advantage. They were able to beat Carolina without home ice advantage. They were able to beat, again, you know, who knows, but based on the fact that their seating was relatively low, they were probably going to play a pretty good team in the third round. And they certainly are in the Islanders, don't get me wrong. The point is, is, you know, our theory of underdogs early, uh, favorites late, could very well result in a very predictable, very reasonable Stanley Cup final matchup. Now, again, we are sort of obligated here based on the number to bet Montreal. I certainly don't expect Montreal to win the series. And I don't know that we're necessarily obligated to be to bet on Tampa here, but I guess the fundamental point is here is don't get sucked in thinking that there's value here for the Islanders. Now, again, you could bet the Islanders. They could win the series, but you didn't win it because you were betting on them from a value standpoint in the same way that you're not losing with Montreal. And it doesn't, you know, if Montreal loses, it doesn't mean that there wasn't value on Montreal, right? We're sort of in this, same, this space um, where we can only think that an underdog has value. And in this case, one of them does. And it's obviously, you know, it's not surprising that it's the one that has like a wild price. Um, and the other one doesn't. And the Islanders just are that team. So um, if the Islanders pull off a road win here, which again, certainly possible. It's hockey. We've been over this. The bounces, the point shots, finding their way in. Who knows, right? The Islanders score a lot of grimy around the net type of goals. Is that a function of going up against Tristan Jari? Is that a function of going up against a compromised Tuka Rask? Is Vasilevsky going to be that wall that he normally is, especially around the net? I would say probably, right? So if the Islanders can pull off a game in Tampa Bay and get us a more palatable price, I would certainly be into that. I'm going to be looking at the derivative markets, a minus one and a half. I don't think, you know, it's sort of like we talk about in the regular season. Like if you're betting a big favorite, you might as well just bet them in regulation because you're kind of not thinking that you're going to rely on overtime. And if it gets to overtime, you know, you were kind of wrong in the first place. So you might as well just kind of bet regulation. Same sort of deal here. Like, I don't think this is going to need to go to game seven where we're sitting here with Tampa Bay at minus, you know, 260 series price and going like, oh, God, I hope this sort of saves our butt. And I think it's going to win because it's going to win relatively comfortably. And does that mean getting into the minus one and a half market, the minus two and a half market for a five game type series? Again, all the derivatives are going to have value towards Tampa Bay, even if it doesn't necessarily look like that because there's a minus in front of their odds. 
And again, maybe you get it down to a point where there's a plus in front of their odds with something like minus two, uh, 2.5 on the series price. As for the game, again, minus 180. Fair value, I would bet that. Again, do I want to do that in regulation? Do I want to do that with overtime factored in? Now, obviously, it's a different situation because overtime's five on five, so I am a little bit more likely to want to bet to want to bet the full version, right? Like not do the regulation type thing. And as you know, I'm loath to bet the puck line at minus one and a half because I just don't think that's profitable long term under any real kinds of circumstances. So um, there you go. That's the situation with regards to the uh, semifinals here. Um, making bets out of uh, somewhat obligation with Montreal, uh, but hoping that you understand sort of the concept of value. Um, one last thing should mention that I talked about in the preview as well. You know, the difference between Montreal and Vegas and, and Tampa and the Islanders is we've seen the series before. We've seen it not that long ago. We saw it on neutral territory in an empty arena. And it was 13.21 to 10 flat in the ex total expected goals for, for Tampa Bay. They had 70 high danger chances at even strength to the Islanders 49 last year. And again, that's a team without Steven Stamkos in that series. And that was obviously without him. That means the power play isn't the absolute, you know, <laughs> behemoth that it is right now. So, you know, again, we have seen this. There is less uncertainty when it comes to the matchup between these two teams as there is with Montreal and Vegas. Uh, NBA stuff, <laughs> Milwaukee, like even in, even in victory, they look kind of pathetic, right? Like, first of all, just an atrocious, atrocious basketball game. Tweeted out yesterday, like the four best games, the four good games, the four close games in the NBA playoffs. And I don't even know if the number's four at this point. But one of them involves the, you know, watching the Portland Trailblazers embarrass themselves, everybody other than Damian Lillard. And the other one involves last night where this, you know, a rock fight would be sort of a, a compliment to that game. And so, again, I talked yesterday, like I would never bet Milwaukee minus three and a half, even though I think that this is the one game that they get based on what we saw from the first two games and they don't even cover the minus three and a half <laughs> so uh hopefully either steered clear or grabbed the plus three and a half with brooklyn in that game last night and then the clippers thanks a lot clippers like uh like again perfectly good opportunity for the clippers to win that game i think they probably win both games here uh you know, back against, uh, back home against the Utah Jazz over the course uh, of the next, uh, what, Saturday and Monday, I believe, is the next game after that. Um, tonight, Philadelphia and Atlanta. We're on the Philly series price. Um, I would bet Atlanta in this game. I would I would bet Atlanta in this game as the, uh, as the short underdog, or frankly short favorite, doesn't really matter. Essentially a pick em here. I would bet Atlanta if I wasn't already committed to the Philadelphia series price. That being said, if Atlanta wins that game, I may be back on for a little more on the Philly series price. The tricky thing is with this series is there's some really black and white uh, metrics here, right? So you've got the starters for Philly are drastically outplaying the Hawks starters. But anytime the bench comes in for Philly, it's a complete horror show, right? So you go, okay, man, I really like Philly based on the idea that like we can control what our best matchups are here if you're a 76ers fan or a backer. Bad news is, is like you're getting absolute max out of Joel Embiid so far. So what happens when he doesn't max out? 
right? What happens when this goes to Atlanta here tonight and we get this, you know, the, the support cast, right? Shake Milton, not going to be as good. Not going to be as good on the road as he is at home. And a handful of guys here that the Hawks have are going to be better at home than they are going to be on the road. But again, you know, metric standpoint, like there's a lot of things to like about Philadelphia's matching up from a starters versus bench type situation here. So all in all, steer clear from this one. Uh, I think Vegas, I think Phoenix, excuse me, is much better than Denver. I don't think it matters that this game is being played on the road. Um, I'm going to take Phoenix tonight. I'm going to keep rolling with the Suns. Again, if this is the one that Denver gets, that's cool too. I'm going to be back on Phoenix for game, th- uh, game four and game five. Uh, Saturday's games, Utah and the Clippers just mentioned it. Think the Clippers win minus three and a half the number. I, I don't know why I keep doing it, but I'm doing it nonetheless. The Clippers minus three and a half. Brooklyn and Milwaukee, this is funny. And I don't like, I guess this means that Harden's coming back or we've just all collectively as a society seen enough of the Milwaukee Bucks. The Brooklyn Nets are now favored on the road for game four at minus two. Again, is that because Harden's in and that's the difference between a three and a half on one side and a two on the other? You know, it's a five and a half point difference there. Maybe, maybe that ends up being the case. Again, that's a steer clear situation. I'll be pleasantly stunned if Milwaukee ends up winning that game and makes this a 2-2 series and maybe sort of talks us in to the idea that they might be able to win game five, but they won't. And then Sunday night, Phoenix and Denver, as mentioned, regardless of what's happening tonight in that game, uh, game four, I'll be back on Phoenix, barring some sort of crazy pricing nonsense, like Jokic getting hurt or something, and Phoenix is now minus a billion um something like that could happen uh monday's show as you as expected right we got sheldon on the nba he'll get you know give us his take on everything that's going on and you know i'll ask him what we should be looking for for the rest of the week uh obviously game one of tampa and the islanders we can do some reiterating with regards to uh what the pricing is you know by monday for montreal and vegas and euro 2020 how bad did it go over the course of the weekend as we get set up um, again hopefully ted's in for Tuesday to give us a full recap from somebody who actually knows what he's looking at. Uh, I'm off to watch this first game, Italy and Turkey, hoping, hoping goals, goals, goals when it comes to this matchup. Do me that favor. Uh, subscribe. You already do it. Rate and review if you could, and please share the podcast. Everybody have a great weekend. At Authentic on Twitter as always. Until Monday, I'll see you at the window. Bye.